The Daily Logos, Episode 6, The Beatitudes, Mercy. Today we are going over the fifth Beatitude. The fifth Beatitude in Christ's Sermon on the Mount is about mercy. Matthew 5.7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The definition of mercy is compassion or forbearance shown, especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power. I want you to remember the word offender, though. Keep that in mind. We'll tie it back in later. And I have to admit, I didn't personally grasp the totality of what mercy was. I thought mercy was choosing not to punish someone when you could execute disciplinary action, especially when in a position of authority. And that is one definition, but it doesn't fit the Christian context fully because we can't punish one another other than kicking someone out of church for certain sins they won't repent of, which is 100% biblical, even though people claim it isn't. And that requires an immense amount of wisdom, and you have to work with the person, and that's obviously up to the leadership of the church, but it's definitely biblical. Now, when we think of mercy in a professional setting, we might think of it from the standpoint of someone choosing not to write someone up for a violation when they could have. And this is a gesture of grace, and definitely mercy, of course, because the goal with being merciful and gracious is to cut that person some slack in hopes of them improving their work ethic or behavior. The goal is not to punish. The goal is to get them to do the right thing, just like biblical grace is for improvement and order, not lawlessness and chaos. Come to find out mercy is more, especially from a biblical standpoint. So if we think of mercy from a Christian context, who are the offenders exactly? Well, the offenders are those who are doing the sinning against us. Where the other side of mercy comes in here, in the Christian sense, of course, is forbearance. To forbear is to hold oneself back from, especially with an effort. So we can tell that there's patience integrated into forbearance. Christ tells us in order to obtain mercy, we must offer mercy. Now, to fully offer mercy in the biblical sense is to have both compassion and forbearance. Now let's think about this. When someone sins against us, what should we do? Well, I would personally say it depends on if that person is a Christian or not. If they aren't a Christian, then total forbearance would probably be a good call, unless violence is required to protect yourself and others. If they are a Christian, then we must let them know that they've sinned against us. Jesus advocates for accountability within the household of faith. Jesus tells us if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. That's Matthew 18:15. And Christ goes on to say if they don't listen to you, then bring others for accountability. And if that doesn't work, then you go in front of the church leadership and address it. And I will tell you that you may come across a church who won't do this. Now, that shouldn't really be, be the case, I don't think, not only because the Bible says we need accountability, we are supposed to offer reproof and rebuke, but just from a pure reason stand, reasoning through it, or a logical standpoint, I think that lacking accountability is a dangerous endeavor because it can affect the fidelity of the congregation, just as children who lack accountability tend to drift behaviorally. So if people in the congregation are children of God, they need accountability the same way children at home need accountability. And if you go to a church that either violates scripture or won't uphold it, and there is no accountability, then the only option is to pretty much run like the wind and find a church committed to God's word and upholding what God tells us to. 
Because that's the goal, right? Is to grow in Christ together as a body of believers. Now, regarding Christians sinning against us, it's always better to assume stupidity and ignorance rather than malevolence. We should ass- what we should assume, rather, is that this person really has no clue that they're sinning because they probably lack the biblical knowledge. Now, there could be a number of reasons why they lack biblical knowledge. One could be because they haven't foraged for it. Another one could be that the, either the pastors or preachers at their church aren't telling people what they need to grow. They're just kind of talking to them and making them feel good every Sunday. Or perhaps certain Protestant pastors don't understand the very things that they're teaching, which is a dangerous thing as well, because it's not enough to merely just say what's in the Bible. You have to have a sufficient understanding of it, really, all of it. So here's a quick test. If you're a churchgoer, go ask your pastor what the purpose of grace is. If they don't say to bring about the obedience of faith or something along those lines, then they just don't understand the most important thing that we must understand, which is the only thing that saves us, which is grace. Now, how that affects us is we need to understand what brings about grace. And the Bible tells us it's faith. And again, faith is trust, conviction, action, and obedience. That's another good test, by the way. Go ask your pastor what faith is. Those two things are the most important things we need to know as a believer, like the two cornerstones that we hang our hat on. Yes, the resurrection of Christ, because preaching would be pointless without that, but obviously, if you're at the grace and faith point, if you're a believer, you believe that Jesus was crucified for atonement of sins and that he was resurrected, then the very next thing is you've got to tackle grace and faith completely. Now, the whole goal of being a Christian is presenting the church, which is the body of believers or members of the household of faith, spotless and blameless through justification, sanctification, and the process of repentance, the continual process of repentance. And it's very simple. How we do that is read the Bible and sin less. It's very simple. Like, that's what it means to be a Christian. Read the Bible, sin less, right? We're supposed to do what's in the Bible. That's the idea. Being a disciple of Christ, which is what a Christian is, is being a student of the New Testament in relationship to the moral and ethical laws in the Old Testament, and of course, repenting daily. We do all of this because we love Jesus. That's the reason why. And love is the driving force that motivates us to take action and to will the good of others and ourselves. We know that love is not a feeling because anyone who's honest with themselves know that feelings ebb and flow. Love is doing things. Love is a verb. And we can cross-verify that with scripture all day. Isaiah 53 is proof that love is not all sunshine, rainbows, and happiness. And it proves that pain and sorrow can come with love. And most certainly it does for a lot of people. Matthew 27 proves the same idea. Mark 15 proves the same idea. Luke 23 proves the same idea, and John 19 proves the same idea. Love is a commitment to the good, and to will the good for our brothers and sisters. Now let's bring all this to a close and tie back in mercy. So we know that mercy has two components, compassion, in the Christian setting of course, mercy has two components, compassion and forbearance. So to get it, we must give it. And to give it is to have both of those things integrated in the face of sins committed against us. When people sin against us, we should try and have forbearance and compassion because chances are they're sinning out of stupidity and ignorance. 
and we choose to show them mercy while offering reproof in hopes of them doing the same regarding our own stupidity and ignorance. Like, we need each other. We need that accountability from each other to help each other grow. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. So we show mercy in hopes of helping each other, all of us, be less ignorant and more biblical. This also means when someone is humble enough to say, sorry, I didn't mean to sin against you, please forgive me, then we must completely forgive and forget. Yes, I said forget. Now the world will tell you, do not forget. You remember those sins against you. But I'm here to tell you that's not biblical, because the Bible says love does not keep any record of wrongdoing. We're supposed to start every day fresh with the people that we love, every day fresh with Christians, and we're supposed to not keep a record of wrongdoing, and we're supposed to seek to do what's what's in Scripture. And we do all of this because we love Jesus. We do all of this because the Bible tells us to. We do this to protect the fidelity of the household of faith, so we can be blameless, sanctified, and justified for the great banquet and the wedding feast. One sure way to get hammered on Judgment Day is to not forgive, don't show mercy, stay resentful, keep records of wrongdoing, and rebel against Scripture. I would highly recommend avoiding any of those things like the plague. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.